Hello and welcome to Rooftop, the UK's only dedicated roofing podcast brought to you by NFRC. I'm Phil Campbell. And I'm Pip Applegate. In this podcast, we interview industry figures, thought leaders and technical experts to make sure you are leading in roofing excellence. We will also bring you regular features, which will include things like topical news discussions, technical tips and guidance to help you stay safe on site. Unfortunately, with lockdown restrictions continuing, we've not made it again into the recording studio, but we hope to be back there soon when restrictions are eased. So apologies again for any sound issues. So on this uh, bumper Christmas episode, we are joined by Ulrich Marx um, from the German Roof and Contractors Association, ZVDH. And also in this episode, uh, we will be um, having an in-depth discussion with our safety, health and environmental officer, Gary Walpole, about mental health and well-being, a topic that is close to many of our hearts at this time um, with all of the restrictions we are under and as the days are getting darker and colder. Um, so we'll be talking to Gary with some practical tips about what we can all do to make sure that we are keeping well mentally and physically um, through this time. And we're also um, we're looking at the year in review, um, looking at all the different news articles in the roof and press and looking at some of the themes that we have seen in the industry over the last year. So looking back over the past year at some of the most read articles within the roofing press, we've plucked out a few to remind us what's been of interest to readers and to see if there are some obvious themes that we could spot. So, Pip, what, what's the most obvious theme that you've picked out from 2020? <laughs> it's probably not a hard one to guess, Phil. Um, what's that? And it's, it's not a popular subject, I know. Um, obviously, COVID-19, this year's hot topic. Um, it's really been quite an unprecedented challenge for the industry, but mm. I think off the back of it, we know we're not out of the woods yet, but certainly, you know, signs since March onwards, if you like, have been that the, the industry has actually come together amazingly well. Um, we've really adapted very quickly, not only sort of the people suddenly working from home sort of pretty much overnight, but in terms of sites being flexible and actually sort of engaging in, in sort of picking up on site operating procedures and so on, that's been really positive as well. Um, NFRC have obviously been very proactive on this topic and set up a COVID hub of information through the NFRC website. And that was being very well received in terms of the, the content it uh, hosts. And I think over the time we've we've created something like, you know, over 10 or so different guidance notes um, to really support our contractors and teams out there within, you know, useful industry knowledge. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, to sum it up, if you like, it's we've been an amazingly adapted um, uh, industry. We've we've kind of done really well. We, we certainly need to keep our guard up. And, uh, you know, NFRC will certainly help support our members by continuing to keep them up to date with with guidance as things develop. But, um, yeah, maybe not all doom and gloom from a very unusual set of circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So it's been, it's been quite quite the in year for the industry, really, and probably we've never seen anything quite like it. But as you say, you know, hopefully there there will be some silver linings. And as we move forward, we hopefully will become a more collaborative and safer industry coming out of this crisis. Uh, so, you know, it's been a, a real tragedy for so many people, but let's hope we can take some positives from it and uh, and learn going forward. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so sort of, Phil, probably more your bag in terms mm. of um, policies for, from the policy side of things, what's happened over the year. I know, I know there have been some interesting topics that we've talked about, but not perhaps, oh, sorry, perhaps not all of them have happened on their original timescales. Yes, absolutely. So it's, yeah, obviously the, the government's focus has been elsewhere uh, this year, but that hasn't stopped you know, c- certain um, policy issues um, coming up. Um, actually, there's been a lot of uh, deferrals and delays. Um, so things like reverse charge VAT, that's still front of mind for, for many roofing contractors. And you know, um, roofing contractors should still prepare for those changes coming next March. They were meant to be introduced this year and they were delayed until next March next year. Um, so we have um, guidance on our website um, and you can ring the NFRC help desk and we can put you through to the um, JCT tax line who we, we provide that service to all our members. So if you need any specific advice around re- reverse charge, um, we have teamed up with the construction uh, industry to call for that to be uh, um, scrapped entirely actually. Um, we don't think it's gonna be um, a sensible policy to be introducing to the industry at this time. Um, the government are plowing on ahead with that. Um, so while we hope there will be a, uh, uh, a scrapping of the policy, um, it looks likely that it will still be introduced next March. So, so make sure you, you are, that is on your radar and you are talking to your accountant about that particular policy. Um, the second big issue that our members are, are really raising with us is around PI insurance. Uh, mm. So a lot of um, insurance providers have been pulling out of, of the industry um, for PI insurance, but it's much harder to get cover. And mm. also a lot of insurance have changed their policies as well to take out fire um, out of the policy. And that's obviously a real issue. So a lot of um, companies now are finding it very hard to get PI insurance, or if they do have PI insurance, the premiums are extremely high. Um, so we are working with the insurance industry about hopefully finding a solution on that. Um, and we will keep you posted on that next year. Mm-hmm. And the final big one really is around net zero. Uh, the government have set themselves an ambitious target to be net zero. Um, in terms of carbon emissions by 2050. And to achieve that, um, the built environment, the buildings we live and work in will have to change. And clearly roofing will form a key part of that, 25% of heat losses through the roof. Um, But also lots of opportunities to use the roof in a more uh, innovative and creative way to help with these carbon targets. So things like green roofs uh, and putting solar on the roof also. So linked to that is the Green Homes Grant has caused um, uh, a real headache for our industry. The government, um, we feel, rushed that through um, and didn't really um, consult with the industry about making sure they were prepared for that. So subsequently, we have had to deal with that. Um, it has led to some positive changes. You know, for example, the NFRC now um, are applying to become a, a PAS 2030 certification body. So that will mean that we will be able to accredit members to do this work. We we didn't have that accreditation in place at the time the policy was introduced. Um, most of the industry didn't have that either. And that's why there's only really just under a thousand um, companies who can even do this work at the moment. So um, a real victory for us this year was getting a delay on that policy um, by a whole year, actually, to allow our members and, and others in the industry to, to be able to get accredited to be able to do this work. So again, watch out for more information on that in the new year. I think it's really positive. It's, you know, NFRC are ultimately always the voice of our members into mm-hmm. the government and all the work that you guys do is sort of, you know, ultimately to support them um, you know, and, and obviously have that source of information that might not be firsthand available to them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's completely reliant on members speaking to us as well. So if you do have any concerns about any particular policies or or any areas um, of your work that you want us to raise on your behalf, just just let us know. Um, 
and just drop us an email and give us that feedback because we really um, want to be the voice of, of the industry and we can only do that if you communicate with us. Absolutely. Um, so what have you got for um, the last section of, of this this news item? Yeah, well, sort of, um, again, looking back at different articles um, through the roofing press and, and sort of trying to spot that kind of final theme, if you like, that we wanted to pick up on. It seemed um, there's an awful lot of content that people enjoy reading, um, which is all about sort of um, technical aspects of roofing and predominantly in sort of slating and tiling, more traditional mm -hmm. roofs, um, and, you know, how to overcome issues that might have, they're, they're you know, appearing on site either during installation or possibly as remedial works. And it sort of seemed evidence that, there's this appetite for useful tips, if you like, to um, to avoid these remedial works from being required, yeah. um, but also to overcome these technical challenges. And, and I sort of thought, well, actually, it sort of really demonstrates that there's this requirement for more of a continual professional development maybe within the sector, mm -hmm. which leads you on perfectly um, to the likes of the Reef Cert Accreditation Scheme. And, and actually, mm -hmm. in a way, in my mind, it has this sort of useful indicators pointing to the likes of these sort of, you know, the, the roof cert scheme. Yeah. Um, that there's an appetite for, you know, people to to engage in professionalising the roofing sector and that UK roofers actually want to increase their knowledge to prevent these issues occurring. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, just just uh, the other day, I was uh, looking at some of the roof cert data. It's amazing the amount of data we've got now because we you know, almost have, um, we have hundreds of, of, of tests now completed and we mm. can use that data to to really analyze where those knowledge gaps are and we can then use that then data to, um, to develop CPD courses to help um, upskill the industry and so it's a really really positive time I think uh, in terms of in terms of the the skill and knowledge of, of those in the, in the sector and, and making sure that you know when we have all of these future changes around building safety and and uh, all of the upcoming building regulations changes that we can mm. be prepared for that to help ensure that roofing operatives are, have the necessary skills and knowledge to be able to do this work. Absolutely. I think that's 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 the main sort of driver here, isn't it? Ensuring that sort of the, the quality of, of construction in the UK only improves from here on. Absolutely. And that's what we're all about at the NFRC. It's about building that roofing excellence and being a fount of knowledge for our, for our members. And you know, and um, we've got some great plans for 2021. Um, you know, plenty more guidance notes. Um, you know, new new publications and and um, new campaigns as well. So, to make sure you continue to engage with the NFRC's work, and uh, and not to mention Pip, one of the biggest um, things that we achieved this year is starting this podcast. Uh, <laughs> fifth episode now, and we've got plenty more planned for the new year. So, make sure you do continue to. Um, share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and um, do you send us your feedback as well we're always welcoming your feedback and uh, any future episodes that you would like us to do please let us know and so now we pass over to our chief executive James Tarman who is interviewing our very special guest today Ulrich Marx from the German Roofing Contractors Association over to you James Well, thank you, Pip and Phil. Um, I feel like a guest interview at Radio 4 at Christmas. So I'm delighted today to welcome uh, Ulrich Marx, my good friend and colleague who runs the German Roofing Contractors Association, ZVDH. A very good morning to you, Uli. Good morning, James. Good morning, everybody. And in these days, Uli, I remember 
the last time we met was uh, February in, in, uh, at the German Duck and Holz show. So much has changed. That's true, and we're really happy that we could have that show this year because right after the show, the pandemic uh, starts in Europe. So we are quite happy to uh, have uh, having realized this show this year. Yes, I recall us having a, a briefing for the World Championship Young Roofer in Beijing, and we're all looking forward to that. So much has changed. That's right, yes. We're unhappy about that. And we were really looking forward to the championship this year, but maybe next time. So, really, could we just um, start a little bit? Tell, tell us a little bit about your good self. Well, um, I myself, I, I learned to be a lawyer, um, and um, I'm now in the at the association um, since 2009. Before that, I was working for the Interior Decorators Organization um, in Germany. So I went from the inside to the roof. And uh, the um, ZVDH has a great long-standing history. Can you can you give us a, a background to it and? Uh, you know, how it's uh, purposed itself over the years. Well, uh, ZVDH was founded in 1925, so we're about to celebrate our 100th birthday soon. Um, we are the association for about 15,000 uh, roofing contractors companies in uh, Germany, mostly small and medium-sized enterprises with an average of uh, about five to six uh, workers. Um, we deal with all kinds of roofs, so pitched roof, um, flat roof, that means insulation. Uh, we do green roofing, uh, PV installation, and not to forget the facade. Uh, we have um, 16 uh, regional federations um, corresponding to the federal states of Germany um, with about 200 um, local organizations. These were the former guilds. Um, they, were, they, they were developed from the former guilds. Um, yeah, that's mostly... Um, that's mostly uh, all. We, uh, as, the, as an association, I think it's very similar to NFRC, what we do. Um, we uh, give legal advice. Um, we have a training center that we run. Um, we deal with topics like uh, business economy, uh, wage agreements, uh, education standards, and uh, public relations and marketing. Yes, that's, uh, there's a lot of similar sim similarity, I should say, get my teeth in uh, on a Tuesday morning um, across what, what your, yourselves and us do. Um, tell me, how, how's 2020 been for you with this COVID interruption? Well, to be honest, it's better than expected, I'd like to say. Um, as for now, we have um, um, plus 5% uh, turnover for this year for the roofing contractor companies. And we have um, uh, a stable order situation, which is uh, very good for us. And did you have any interruption when the first wave of COVID hit? No, fortunately not. We didn't have any lockdown in our branch. So um, all the companies could 
work on site uh, with no interruptions. And as an industry, as a construction industry um, in the UK, there was a lot of collaborative work to make sure that the job sites were safe. I guess it would have been similar in Germany. Yes, exactly. A lot of people work together and they also got a lot of help from the government um, 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 in, in, in terms of um, workforce or um, 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 help for um, advice, uh, legal advice and, and everything um, to uh, deal with the situation on site. And what do you see going into the new year and all the optimism now with the vaccines, etc.? How do you see the opportunities and indeed possibly the threats for, for the uh, roofing market in Germany in 2021? Well, I think um, opportunities are, um, as I already said, no shutdown during the pandemic. Um, and uh, another point is that um, the German government uh, gives a lot of subsidies for energetic renovations. So um, especially for the replacement of roof windows or for the roof insulation. Um, and uh, above all, it's uh, the low interest rate level um, in, in combination with a low inflation rate in Germany that will hopefully help our companies um, to uh, look uh, look to the future in a very positive way. Well, on the other hand, uh, James, as you as you asked for for threats, um, yeah, threats is I think also similar to NFRC to the UK. We have uh, the biggest problem is the shortage of skilled workers. Uh, we talked about that before. I know. Yes, we um, have. Yeah, and. Uh, we also have um, a decrease um, in the field of industrial orders and uh, in the public uh, sector, as this might be a result of the pandemic um, because uh, the investments are going back in some fields. So these are some threats that we have to deal with. And talking on, on the skilled labor, and it's a topic uh, as you as you rightly say, we've talked about on quite a few occasions and helping and how we can all collectively make roofing a career of choice and of opportunity. What is the um, the, the the are there any impacts related to dare I use the term Brexit um, in terms of uh, migration of labour, etc.? Is there any marginal impact for, at all for the German roofing market? Well, um, and I, for, for the for the German roofing market, um, I think there are lots of uh, relationships between um, between industry and contractors. Um, you know, in Germany, it's separated, um, and I I think it will have an impact um, on both sides. I'm sure. I don't. I can't tell you um, how how far that goes. Um, but I'm sure it will have an impact on trade, uh, goods to be traded, or um, even uh, um, orders that could be uh, could be done together in combination with uh, or in collaboration um, with other uh, companies. So yes, I'm really I'm afraid um, that this will uh, have no good um, results for both sides.
One of the major challenges we have in the UK is we've, um, across a lot of construction, is we have a strong reliance on skilled workers coming in from the European Union. And um, with uh, the uh, imminent, um, whether we will have a deal or not, there's clearly going to be an impact in that regard. Um, do you, in terms of, I know it would be very helpful if you can tell us a little bit, bit about the qualifications to be a roofer in Germany. And, and Germany is often seen as the gold standard in roofing qualification with the Roofmeister. Could you tell us a bit of background to that? And also, I know there were some changes in legislation that uh, uh, I believe is bringing the Roofmeister back into its prominent position. Yeah, to start with the letter, um, yes, we have um, um, re remastering, as we say in Germany, that there are some professions uh, where the master was not mandatory anymore. In other um, professions, you have to have a master's degree to run your business. Um, but um, there are other, um, other branches uh, where the master was um, not mandatory and they changed this by now and you have to um, you have to have your master's degree again to um, to run your business so we were not affected by that in the roofing business because um, the roofing master was always mandatory has always been mandatory in germany so there is no change for us but nevertheless um, i think this is a, a very um, a very uh, a crucial element for um, for the for quality because it's a personal qualification that you have to have to run a business, um, and uh, it's also um, a guarantor for high educational standards because you have to have be, you have to be a master to um, to have uh, to educate apprentices in your company. Um, and that's, I think that's one of the, I don't know if you call it a gold, uh, uh, gold standards, but it's a very important thing that we have a system with a three years apprenticeship. And after those uh, three years, you um, pass an exam as we call it Geselle in German. That means um, assistant roofer or in former times it was called fellow of the guild. Um, which is uh, a high standard already, and uh, the, it's the normal standard for a worker in a roofing company in Germany. And if you want to, uh, you can um, you can develop yourself uh, further to uh, go to a master training center, like our master training center is in in Mayen in Germany, and you um, spend about nine months. Um, in the theory and practice in roofing, and then you pass your your master exam, and then you call you may call yourself Meister. Um, and in the European education system, um, the Meister, the German Meister, is put on a level with the bachelor professional. So a German roofing master can call himself bachelor professional. Most of them don't do, but they they are proud of that Meister title. Um, but uh, this is a very important um, uh, factor in, in German, uh, in the German industry, um, that the master qualification is mandatory. Once again, mandatory to run a business. 
And that then must really help in terms of aspiration with careers. Because one of the problems we have in the United Kingdom is that lack of recognition for professionalism that we are working very hard to try to change. Yeah. In Germany as well, you have the white collar professions that are really that are highly uh, uh, recognized uh, by most of the people. Um, but I know that well, I think that uh, the long tradition of uh, the German um, craftsmen coming from the Middle Age, coming from the guilds in the Middle Age, um, that this is still um, part of uh, the social acknowledge of uh, of the Meister, also the roofing uh, business in Germany. And on a on a slightly lighter note, um, the um, there's a famous um, tradition of, of ceremony, I believe, with with the roofmeister and the, and the wearing of uh, certain uh, uh, uniform. Can you tell us a bit of background to that? Because at the at the big show, I saw lots of ladies and gentlemen, uh, particularly gentlemen in in the in the roof look, appeared to me the roofmeister attire. Well, that that would be a, a lesson for itself. The the, the roofers uniform, uh, and I, I'm afraid I'm the wrong man for that. Uh, I can tell you only a, um, a few things about that because. As I already mentioned, or as you mentioned, it's a long tradition. It's coming from the Middle Age. It's coming from the guilds. Um, it represents the social standard of the master. And um, there are certain uh, symbols that you can uh, see if um, if someone is only a, a fellow or is a master. Um, and But it, that depends on so many things. It's very regional. So normally you can see from the form of the hat, he wears, uh, where he comes from. Well, I cannot see that because um, it's 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 a, it's a very old tradition. But uh, uh, one example is there. There are people that uh, you might have seen on Dachenholz, which wore some uh, very broad-brimmed uh, heads. Uh, these people belong to the carpenters' guild. They're not original roofers, but carpenters. And uh, the, the, the small brimmed heads are the roofers, and then you can you have the the, the knobs on the on the wests, which have different colors. Those knobs, um, but don't ask me what the meaning of all those colors is. I only know that um, the different the number of knobs is uh, is uh, um, important for for the stand for the for the, for the standard of the of that man. Um, and uh, the different colors represent the different regions. So that's all I can I can uh, tell you. And, and and there is also the the form of the color of of the of the shirt they wear, uh, which uh, can indicate where it comes from. So it's it's a very long, a very complicated tradition. Indeed, it sounds like we could have a podcast done on our own on that. that. <laughs> subject but that shows the pride that goes into that recognition uh, which which is which is wonderful can can i just um, ask a question regarding the future um, because we've got this real challenge between traditional skills and modern methods of construction 
off-site, etc. In Germany, how is that playing out? It's it's a big challenge that uh, we're faced in the UK because the government is trying to accelerate off-site construction. Yeah, you're right. That's really um, a big challenge. It's um, well, it's uh, the the gap between traditional um, crafts um, uh, crafts uh, craft forms or um, um, traditional working uh, standards and modern um, standards regarding um, energetic renovation. Um, or green roofing or PV or everything. Well, that's um, why we have our um, our technical guidelines that are always developed. They, they are always um, in a flow, you know. Um, that's the, the most crucial point is that the technicals, technical rules may not stand still. They always have to develop. And you know that from, from IFD, from the International uh, Federation for the Roofing uh, Trade, where we work together, James, and you know that our experts in all the committees are working, are permanently working on those standards. And that's the challenge for all of us um, to keep up with the time and uh, to combine all those old traditions to new forms of work. Indeed, and then as a, we have a good example collectively in the in the IFD, don't we? I know we're we're about to embark on some testing on in the facade sector to to help right across the world in in that market. Um, a very good example, yes. A very good example. Well, many thanks, Uli, for uh, a very uh, comprehensive um, answers to to those questions. Now tell me, is there anything you would like to ask me? Well, it would be very interesting, uh, James, for me to know uh, what measures you are taking to overcome the shortage of uh, of workers in the UK. Um, are there any plans or any programs? Yes. Yeah, so well, that and and in your your answers, we we are coming from a place where roofing historically. Um, hasn't had the recognition that perhaps it's, it has in Germany. So again, we have quite a similarity of some of the underlying structures with guilds, etc., and and recognition of crafts. But sadly, that recognition is not widespread. So the average consumer um, is not informed in terms of a qualified roofer and somebody who might have started relatively recently with no qualifications. The good news in the UK is the government is starting to show an understanding of the need for recognition and for skills. So there's a very strong uh, mandate from government to invest in vocational qualifications as opposed to just university, which was historically sort of the last 15 years has been very strongly based on everybody going to university as opposed to taking up a vacation. So to specifically answer your question, early in the UK, we are embarking on an accreditation program called RoofCert. And that sort of aims, has a few aims. One of them is to upskill um, a vast amount of the workforce who have no formal qualifications outside the mandatory health and safety ones. 
So we, we are undertaking a very major piece of work to help to upskill the existing workforce um, to get those who do have a qualification recognized um, uh, and to continuously help to improve their skills because skills don't stand still, they move forward, particularly with new technology. And obviously off the back of that also to have a very strong um, platform for apprentices. We've got a new apprenticeship standard just starting in the UK. Um, I think the further challenge is very much the differentiation from the, the, perce the perception of young people that they want to be perhaps in a nice warm environment working on something to do with computers or something digital and the perception that, that there's, a, there's only a choice between that and being out on the, on the roof when there is actually the two can work together. And we're going to have to bridge that gap between using innovation, certainly artificial intelligence, um, that, is, that is coming. It's here in some quarters. And it's that combining of the new tech with the tradition. And if we can get that right, I think across the world, there's a fantastic future for, for skills and, and opportunity in roofing. Well, James, that sounds that sounds good. That sounds very positive. And I see there are really a lot of similarities to the UK and to Germany because we have a similar program um, in the German government. And that gives me the hope that we will, and I'm sure we will, we will work together in spite of Brexit. We so many things that we can work on together and um, I'm so glad to have you in IFD as a partner to um, to move things together in the roofing business and uh, that's a great thing and that gives me a lot of hope. Well thank you Uli. We, we felt uh, it was very opportune with a certain date coming that we actually wanted to show we, we're looking to increase our operation across Uh, our, our colleagues and friends in the EU. So we, we thank you so much for taking the time just before Christmas to join us. Yes, it was a pleasure for me and uh, I wish you all a good time and um, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and all your members. Thank you. Thanks very much. So all in all, it's been rather a unique year and I think with the festive period upon us, it perhaps gives us time to reflect upon things a little bit differently and maybe not just focus on you know, the purchase of tangible Christmas gifts, but also consider maybe some non-tangible things um, such as our mental health. And maybe we should be giving that sort of topic a little bit more time. Um, with us today is Gary Walpole, NFRC Safety, Health and Environmental Officer. Um, and I think Gary's probably got a little bit of knowledge on the topic. Not an expert, he professes, but... Um, no, I'm an expert, but um, <laughs> it is but, part of the health of my title, so... <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so hopefully you can uh, sort of share some thoughts with us. Um, welcome, Gary, first of all. Um, what uh, what would you sort of start with? What is mental health and, and well-being, and, and do you think there's any sort of measure for it? Um, I think actually, if we go back to what you originally said about it being a tough year, mm. it has been the most unusual of years, isn't it? I think yeah, we can all very, very different. When, when, when we were making our um, uh, New Year's resolutions, I don't think any of us thought that we'd <laughs> be sitting here in December after the year we've had. So it very has true. been strange. 
So I think resilience has been key for the industry um, this year. And it's, it's, it's been really good to see that construction has sort of led the way out of the pandemic. Um, and it makes me proud the way we've responded as an industry. But I think at the back of our minds, we've got to keep an eye on the mental health question because as reported in the press, you know, the um, the pandemic has had a huge effect on people's mental health. And we've had people in the industry being furloughed. Um, work has been sporadic uh, because of the pandemic. So it will affect our workers' mental health yeah, and, and have you sort of noticed any particular stats or sort of um, feedback on the construction industry sector sort of around people's issues? And I think that they've been sort of in the press at all. I mean, not not since the pandemic started, but before that, uh, construction actually again was taking the lead on mental health. And there was quite a few studies done pre-pandemic. Um, and certainly... It, it was stated that one in five lost working days was due to mental health in the industry. Gosh. Which is quite stra- staggering, really. Yeah. And also that every working day, two people take their life in construction. So we lose two um, construction workers every working day, which is terrible. And in nine, um, in 2019, <laughs> in 2000, <laughs> 17, the Office of National Statistics did a uh, report into suicide via occupation. And in that report, they stated that roofers, slaters and tilers were 2.7 times higher than the national average um, uh, risk of committing suicide. So they're quite they're quite damning um, stats for construction and for roofing. But um, again, we've got to look at how we can build our workers' resilience to the issues that face them. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's sort of really quite hard-hitting facts there, aren't they? And it's sort of, you know, very sad to hear those as well. Um, Would you, are there any sort of specific triggers that um, you think sort of people should sort of watch out for? I think, I think, one of the biggest problems construction's got and roofing's got is the transient workforce. Mm. So you'll do a job, You'll, you'll be working on a project. Once that project finishes, you start a new project. Mm. So it, it, it can be quite hand-to-mouth. Um, it, it also tends to be that our construction workers are moving up and down the country. Mm-hmm. So you'll be doing a roof in the south, southern part of the uh, country one week, and the second part of it, you, you know, next week you could be working in the north. So uh, staying away from family um, can cause loneliness. And if you think at the moment, the usual places where workers went for entertainment or, or you know, go, for, go, go to the pub for a meal, then places are shut at present. So yeah, it's yeah. harder. They probably feel more isolated. Uh, triggers financial. Mm-hmm. There's certainly, we know there's a big um, gambling issue in construction, um, and that seems to be spreading um, quite fast. I think a lot of that's down to the fact that gambling apps on mobile phones, mm. you know, I worked in construction. If you enjoyed a bet, you had to walk to a betting office. And yeah, it's if, a bit easier now, isn't it? It's, 
straight away you could be sitting there placing a bet, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's very accessible. Yeah. So all sorts of triggers, really, um, but financial and and um, work related, you know, they're all pressures. We all have these pressures. You know, they're, they're, there's the pressure of um, relationships and, and mm. bereavement. Yeah, so like you said, a lot, a lot of influencing factors that we probably don't give enough time to on a day-to-day basis normally. Um, in terms of um, any signs to watch out for, I mean, like you said, sort of, um, quite often within the roofing um, contractors, you'll have teams. So you've got, you know, your, your colleagues that you'll kind of see on a day-to-day basis, you know, in a bubble, effectively a work bubble. Are there any sort of things that people should be kind of watching out for and, and alarm bells should be sort of ringing if they see some, I don't know, certain behaviour or attitudes changing? It's about understanding behavioural changes with, with your work colleagues. So if they're late, for example, that could be, you know, a reason. They could be moody, um, you, 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 know, you know, a change in their, um, uh, a change in their um, uh, persona. That kind of low feeling, people sort of talking grumpily about things, I guess, sort of maybe you don't sort of give them the, the sort of the thought process they require, but actually they might be sort of underlying signs there that we don't notice all the time. I think I think that's it. I think if if, if someone's personality changes mm-hmm. and they become more distant, um, you know, they're making mistakes. And don't forget, all our all our workers work at height. Yes. So that you, you know, you're adding another risk there, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, I think the thing is, what I've always been quite proud of in construction is the way we've dealt with the safety risks. Now we need to replicate what we've done with safety risks over to the health risks. And yeah. mental health is the key one, the mental health of our workers. And it's not just, you know, you know the pressures of um, work, uh, projects getting, um, you, you know, certainly at the moment, with sites being shut for long periods and then reopening, are there are there time pressures putting more stress mm. managers within the industry? You know, yes. we've all got deadlines to hit. Yeah. So it's not yeah. just it's not just the um, the craft operatives, if you like, within the industry. We've all got to look at um, how we're coping with um, the mental pressures that have been heightened this year, I think. Yes, yeah, I think that's a very good way of putting it, actually, isn't it? Sort of circumstances being what they are. It's sort of, uh, you know, changes your uh, attention on things. Yeah, um, we all perform better when 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 the sea's calm. Yes, yeah, <laughs> very much so. so I remember um, talking, sorry, I'm just going to say, I remember saying at an um, IFD conference last year, I asked for a hands up who left at eight o'clock this morning and who intends to turn uh, to arrive home at five o'clock in the evening. <laughs> so the way we work has changed and even more so this year. Well, now we're all working where we live. Yes. For a lot of the time. So yes. that, again, has um, uh, increased pressure on, on family life, on, on people's work and, and, and social well-being. So, you know, they're all things we need to consider. Yeah. And like you said, I, I think you mentioned it earlier, sort of not having that 
release, if you like, of, of the social element that we're used to and those routines that we all enjoy are being sort of taken away for the time being or reduced down in some way. It's that sort of it's tough to deal with, isn't it? We're quite social people in that respect. So, uh, yeah, it's all, it all makes a difference. Um, I was going to say, in terms of are there any sort of um, guidelines or advice out there for people to sort of what they can do to, to try and improve their mental well-being in any way? Any sort of, I, think, I don't know, things you can do on a daily basis that are sort of worthwhile kind of getting into your own routine for a different uh, different goal, as it were? I think it's important to understand your own well-being, your own mental state, and understand mm-hmm. what concerns you, what worries you, you know, what your triggers are. And then once you've worked that out, you can just take little steps um, mm-hmm. uh, looking after your own, you know, you know, make time for yourself, do things you enjoy, take time out to relax, move away from the uh, screens in your life, you know, and, and we know we're all attached to screens. Um, get plenty of sleep. That, that, yes, that yeah. is good advice for, for, for relaxing your uh, brain. Exercise, eating healthily, you know, spending yes. time with people you care about. You know, yes. but so you, if you can understand how to build your resilience to what's going on at present, then you can help support others around you. You know, because yes, I think that makes that's perfect important. sense. I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, that that people around us aren't perhaps coping as well as others. You know, during this time. Yeah. You know, yeah, or they absolutely. might, you know, they could be living with people who are having to self-isolate. So the fear and anxiety of leaving the house to go to work, to return, you know, it, it, it's mm. it's different level of mental. Um, sort of pressure almost. Yeah. Yeah. The anxiety mm. and, and, and the depression that the, the pandemic has brought this year um mm. that's why i haven't got the answers but i think it's important no no <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah how uh, we're coping as individuals and then what can we do for others yes absolutely and and for those people you know that um that, that need maybe an extra level of professional support there is obviously sort of a lot of support out there for people and, and it's sort of maybe making them aware of of those options that are there and not being afraid to actually pick up the phone or message somebody but what sort of um routes would you sort of point people to for that kind of support if they if they feel like they're needing um extra help on, on any particular development i think it depends on I think it just depends on the conversation you've had with the individual. Okay, mm-hmm. it could be that you recommend that they speak to their GP. It could okay. be recommend support groups. It could be that you recommend organisations and charities like the Samaritans or Calm, which is the campaign against uh, um, living miserably, you know, which is aimed at young men, you know, and it's about just taking the stigma away from it. So, you know, I think the most important thing you said at the start of that conversation was um, the taking the time out to pick up the phone and and have that conversation yes. you know it's 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 very difficult to take someone out for a coffee at present it depends on what yeah. tea you're 
But, you know, just take that time, you know, to send that text to make sure everyone's okay, you know. But certainly yeah. for colleagues, you know, just 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 have them conversations. And I think it's about that culture change and about putting that culture change to in your own within your own organizations to start having them conversations and breaking down the barriers. Yes, I was going to say, it's almost, you, you said, you summarised it there perfectly, it's debunking that sort of myth, that hippie myth, if you like, around the stigma attached to mental health. And actually, it's okay to talk about it. And it's all good for us to actually give, give that uh, time to ourselves to, to keep us on the straight and narrow, as it were. Yeah, I think, you, you know, the, the thing with, um, as I said, mental health is seen as um, a weakness, and it shouldn't be mm. seen like because you can build yeah. your mental health in the same way you can build your physical health. And we all have yes. mental health. OK, yes. Same way we all have physical health. So someone could be in a poor physical state for whatever reason. Mm. But, you know, if, if for example, if a colleague said, oh, I'm going to start going to the gym, I want to work on my um uh, physical fitness and build that mm. you encourage them and go oh fantastic how yes. would you feel if a colleague said i'm struggling with my mental health and i need support yes yeah it's you a very I mean? it's a very new thing for us almost in that respect exactly. isn't it exactly. Yeah. exactly so good stuff um any other last bits you'd like to share gary at all or i think we've covered a lot of a lot of ground there actually yeah, I think it, it just keep the conversation going. I think that's the most important yeah. thing. You know, it, 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 if this year's taught us anything, we have to build resilience to these issues that are thrown at us, which we have done in construction, and I think we've done very well. We should be patting ourselves on the back, but we shouldn't be leaving our fellow workers behind. We should be taking the whole no. industry forward. Yeah, absolutely. We're an adaptable lot and let's keep going the right way, as it were. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, thank you so much, Gary. I really appreciate your time on it. And um, yeah, there's lots of support out there for people. And give yourself a chance over Christmas to give yourself a little bit of headspace, as it were. Uh, happy Christmas to you and Phil. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. So that's it for this episode of Rooftop. Thank you for Ulrich for being our guest on this show and to Gary for his thoughts and tips on positive well-being. We've hoped that you've enjoyed listening today. Um, please do share with your friends and colleagues via social media and we hope you tune into the next episode in the new year. So it's Merry Christmas from me and a Happy New Year from me. <laughs> <laughs>